Welcome to Church on the Hill. Easter is such an awesome day. Um, before I get started, I just kind of felt like the Lord was telling, telling me to say this, so brace yourself. You may be here today because you've come with family. You may be here today because you got dra dragged here. It's Easter. It's the day you go to church. Great. We're so glad you're here. Um, you may be on the fence. You may not have ever bought into this Jesus thing, and I, that's, that's fine. That's that's all well and good, but I want to encourage you. Prove it wrong. Don't go to hell being dumb and stupid and ignorant. Prove it. Take God's Word and just try to start proving what He said to be true or not to be true. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk about what Jesus did for us. I'm going to sit here and talk about how He came to give life and to give it more abundant. I've got a great message for those that receive Christ, but for those that don't, it's not a good message. And I want to encourage you, if you're on that fence and you've never taken that step, start taking God's Word and prove it. You know, something I had to do early on in losing weight was proving Weight Watchers to be wrong. I went at that to prove them to be wrong. I'm going to try this, and when I don't lose weight, I'm going to quit. But what happened was, I lost weight. And I wound up proving it to be true. I want you to know that God's Word is true, and He desires to prove that to you. He doesn't just desire for you just to accept it blindly. Nope, He wants to show you. He wants to show you personally that what He did on the cross, as Elizabeth just said, was for you. You. Only you, as far as you're concerned. He would have done it just for you. So if you're on the fence and you're just like, man, I'm just here because my mom drugged me here today. Let me tell you, I spent 18 years doing that. Even though I'd even received Christ as five, I still went to church because my parents drugged me there. But there came a day when I had to prove God's Word to be true. And I want you to know, it's true. But you're going to have to prove it. I want to encourage you, grab hold today, make a change today. Because Easter, as we sang this morning is a glorious day. What is Easter to you? What Easter is to me is remembering what price was paid for me. Was remembering that I genuinely have a future. I really have a good future. A future to prosper and to grow. A future. I have been free of my past sin. Those chains are off of me. The guilt and the shame that I've had prior to being saved is gone. That's what, when I think of Easter, I think of Jesus going to the cross and the price that he paid, but I also begin to remember what I've committed to, and that is to follow him, and to trust him, and to walk according to his word, and to expect him to do the part that he said that he would do. Easter is a glorious day. Easter reminds me of how fortunate I am. I am forgiven. God has forgiven me, and He has removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. He has paid the price for my sin. I am saved. I have a hope. Church on the hill, I have a purpose, and I have worth. That's what I remember today, is that I am worth something. Why? Because Christ is in me. 
Christ is in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. Christ in me. But today I want to kind of throw a, I kind of throw kind of want to throw a curveball at you today. I want to talk to you about Lazarus. Do y'all know the story of Lazarus? Jesus was ministering out out of town and he got word that Lazarus had died. And what you're going to find in scripture if you read it is that Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved him. I think that he was one of his BFFs. It said that he was his dear friend. And Lazarus had died. Lazarus was the mother of Mary and Martha. Savannah, I'm just going to let you have it. I'm not going to look back at my phone. It's all you. It said, oh, glorious day. Okay. But when Jesus heard about it, heard about Lazarus dying, he said, Lazarus' sickness, listen church, this is so full, packed full of God's word for you. Lazarus' life will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Before I even get started, I want you to know your future when you accept Christ does not end in death. In fact, your future doesn't end he says that he came for you so that you might have eternal life. That what he deserved, you get. I do not have to fear death. Um, on that note, these beautiful flowers that we have are in honor of Mr. Everett Davis. This is Mark Davis's father who just recently this week passed away. And if, if I know anything, I know that this man is not dead. I think he is one of the most alive people right now with Jesus. If you ever knew him, you would know that Jesus was in his heart. There's not many that I would say that I would know more than that. And I did not know him well. But what little I knew of him, I knew Jesus was in him. He's not dead. He's alive. <laughs> Let's continue on. Uh, John 11, verse 23. I'm going to kind of skip some verses. He goes to uh, Lazarus' sister and says, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now what this kind of, this really speaks to me in that Martha is saying, yeah, Jesus, I know he's going to rise, but it'll be on the resurrection day and it'll be when you come back and it's been what you prophesied. It's not really for now, it's for somewhere down the road that the preacher always talks about these great glorious days down the road. Can anybody grasp what I'm talking about? You're facing a major challenge and someone starts to speak into your life and give you the word of God to believe on, but you can't hardly believe it for yourself. I don't really believe it. Yeah, I can pray it for someone else, but you can see here that Martha said, yeah, we know, we'll rise after we die. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. What did, what did Martha do? Martha generalized God. Martha made it churchy. You ever gone to church and it's churchy? You ever been around churchy people? There's a difference between churchy people and people filled with the Spirit of God. There's a difference. There's a difference between churchy people and someone on fire that has the Word and speaks it in time, on time, 
with purpose according to God's Word and according to His will. There's a difference between the churchy and what Martha, Martha's saying, churchy. Yeah, we know. You've talked about resurrection, whatever that means. We know. Don't play games. We generalize God, not really believing for our own breakthrough. Next scripture, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? I want to ask you, do you believe? If you've been coming to church your whole life, you've heard this. Jesus arose after the third day. You've heard that story. You've probably even heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Do you really believe? Do you really believe for what you're facing? To walk with Christ. To go and dig out His Word and walk it out with Him. Because if you don't, you won't. Woohoo! Easter, yay, pastor, great word. Are you believing for today? Are you believing for tomorrow? It's time to get real. Even after dying. What is this? I believe that this is two meanings. I believe that, yes, our natural death, but I also believe sometimes we feel like we are dead where we are. And we cannot get out of where we are. This word is for you. Where you are, Jesus brings life. If you feel dead, this word is for you. So today, I want to talk about your tomb. Anybody here have a tomb? You bought it, you've got the tombstone. What does it say? It says, here lays so-and-so. Yeah, he's not really dead in the natural sense, but he's living dead. Anybody got that tomb? What's keeping you there? Sin? Failures? What's keeping you there? I want you to think about it. Shame? Defeating thoughts, your past. We do not sit here at Church on the Hill literally dead in a tomb. But many of us are living a life trapped in a tomb. A tomb of our own fear. A tomb of our shame. A tomb of our failures. A tomb of our sin and our guilt of that sin. Literally living in darkness. Not living. It says in God's Word that Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Many of you are buried beneath your shame. We just sang a song this morning. Who could carry that kind of weight? I want you to know that shame is not a carry-on item. Have you ever showed up to the airport and they tell you you can't carry that on? Do you know if you showed up to Jesus 
Literally, if you showed up to him and he saw the shame that you were carrying, he'd tell you, hey, you can't carry that any longer. You're carrying excessive weight. You should have checked that at the door. That shame that you're feeling right now, check that at the cross. Check that at the altar. Lay your burdens down at the feet of Jesus and leave them there. Anybody know that old school song? We don't just sing these songs for fun. They're God's Word. Shame. What about shame? It says in Hebrews 12 too, and Elizabeth even shared this this morning, because of the joy that awaited him, Hebrews 12 too, it should be my next one. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Do you know that when he hung on the cross, he hung on there with your shame? He took your shame to the cross so you wouldn't carry it. The fact that you're carrying it is not allowing the power of Christ to work in you. I'm not supposed to carry shame. Jesus overcame the shame of the crucifixion. In other words, it says that he said no to shame and embarrassment. He knew that he wasn't guilty of sin and that the Father was on his side. Therefore, it did not matter what people were saying about him as he was dragging that cross, as he was nailed to the cross, as he was hanging on the cross. When Jesus carried that cross, he literally carried your shame. You are shame-free. What about your failures? Do you sit in your tomb because of your past failures? Do you know that failures help you grow? You know, it's not your successes, it's your failures. Failures help you grow. Failures cause you to go back to the drawing board and work harder. Dig and research. Do you remember David wanted the ark to come back? So he said, hey, go grab the ark and put it on a new cart. Sounded good. Jesus deserves, the the ark of the Lord deserves a new cart. He deserves the best, brightest things that we could ever get. They put it on the new cart. It hits a bump. It falls off. Somebody reaches out. Uzziah reaches out to touch it. Drops dead. Uh, We missed a step somewhere. Somebody's dead. That did not go well. God had a way for it to be carried through poles done by particular people so that it came safely according to God's Word the way it was supposed to come. David failed, didn't he? That was a failure. He could have left that presence of the Lord there and walked away, but no, he didn't. What did he do? He went and researched he went and looked back. What? How are we supposed to do this? And he grew and he realized God has a way that when we hit a bump, it won't fall off and break and somebody die. David grew. David grew in wisdom. Your failures should not cause you to go run and hide. The song we sang this morning, the failures I tried to hide. Your challenges are there to strengthen you and to grow. Do you know that you learn in battles? You learn in challenges. You know, and this also is not yours to carry. You're supposed to carry the Lord with you into battle. It says the battle's not yours, the battle's the Lord's. Let Him fight them. 
We spend most of our life hiding, hiding in our fears, hiding in our failures, hiding in our feelings. What kind of place do you go to when you try to hide? When you play hide and seek, where do you go? Right? What kind of place is that typically? Dark. You don't go stand on the corner in the light. Yeah, we'll have to look for a minute, but oh, there's Jimmy. Jimmy's trying to hide in the corner back there behind the flag, but because there's light, I can see him. We hide in the dark. We, we find ourselves living in darkness. We go to a dark place. Church, listen to this. Our failures give us opportunity to have faith. Our struggles, our challenges give us an opportunity to have faith. That is belief that the Lord can help us get through this. We don't run from it. We go and face it with the Lord, with faith, with His Word. And what does, faith, what does it say about faith? It says that faith pleases God. My challenges give me an opportunity to please God. My challenges don't give me an opportunity to go south. It gives me an opportunity to go north, upward, strengthen myself. Failures help prove our faith. We don't need faith for our successes or for our strengths. We need faith for our struggles. It's where we grow. It's an opportunity to please God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 said that He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. I am literally a child of God. Not figuratively. I am literally, because of receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior, I am a child of God. I'm a child of the King. And with that goes all the spoils. I not only get all the treasures of the king, I get the power of the king. I get the voice of the king. I get the support of the king and his kingdom. Everything that comes with the king, I get. And I'm not a worker in the kingdom. I'm a child of the king. What comes, what, what, hap, what happens, uh, what, comes, what comes out in darkness? Specifically, when you flick the lights on, what happens? Cockroaches. cockroaches. What happens the second the light comes on? They're gone. Lies, when brought to the light, they go away. When truth shines light on a lie, the lie dies. Darkness is a scary place, right? But what happens the second the light comes on? Peace comes over you. Just in the natural. We had this, this morning at 3 a.m., our house alarm went off. For no reason. I think it's just malfunctioning. But we had to walk around in the dark all morning looking around the house. And it's creepy. Elizabeth's got her phone. I did not get my gun. But by the way, I own a gun. Just to let you know. Um. 
But walking around in the dark, the unknown is creepy. So what do we do? We turn the lights on. And the second the lights come on, we can see. And we have peace. The second the lights come on, what happens? Your path is made clear. Anybody here here ever tried to stumble around in the dark? Anybody ever gone through the woods in the dark? Do you not wind up getting hit by limbs and all kinds of weird stuff? Have you ever walked behind somebody in the dark? Man, it's painful. But it's different when light's coming, and you can see them wind up those limbs. I'm like, ooh, they're about to pop me with a limb. I get my hands up. I can protect myself in the light. In the dark, I can't. You just get hit. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You, God's calling, calling, called you out of darkness. When God calls, don't press the ignore button. Don't press the little side button to turn it off. Answer. Answer the call. God's calling. I'm going to show you in just a minute. God's calling. Jesus is calling you out of your grave, out of darkness. John 12, verse 46 says, I have come, and come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If you're on the fence and you've not ever bought into Jesus because you've just kind of not ever grasped it, I want you to know that you are going to come out of the darkness into light. It sounds too good to be true, but I want you to know that I live in light. I can choose to walk back into darkness. God does not hold some noose around my neck and make me do anything. I have to choose. But as long as I'm choosing Christ, I receive light. John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we are a Christ follower, but we are living in darkness, you're lying to yourself. Church, this is for the church. John is speaking to the church. If you have given your heart to the Lord... Or you say that you have, but you are living in darkness. You are lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself and come into the light. Turn your heart. Turn your life to Christ. Literally, turn your life around. I want you to know that our connection to Jesus will be obvious. It's not something that you walk around questioning all the time. It will be obvious because light is obvious. Pete, can you black us out? Or uh, Savannah? Now see, we've still got ambient light coming in here. But turn the lights back on. Anybody notice anything different? 
Did anybody notice the lights go off and then the lights come back on? <laughs> Y'all are looking at me like, are you a crazy person? Can you please just answer the basic question? Did, did anybody notice something different happened? Light is obvious. Jesus in you is obvious. If it's not obvious, you're lying to yourself. We're playing a game. Don't play that game. Don't play that game. So let's go back to uh, Lazarus. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Kind of. It's Easter. I get a little bit of extra time. Uh, let's see, Savannah. Verse 39. It should be um, John 11. Jesus said, roll the stone away. I'm telling you, just saying that out of my mouth just almost breaks me down. This isn't Jesus' stone. This is your stone. It's sometimes we just think Jesus was perfect. I'm not perfect. And you know what? I'm not. I'm so far from Jesus. It's, it's funny. It's humorous. It literally is funny how far away from how Jesus was and how I am. But this is Lazarus. I can relate to Lazarus. Lazarus sinned. Jesus said, roll the stone away. That was a hindrance keeping Lazarus from coming out of the grave. You have hindrances in your way. When we follow Jesus Christ, it says that hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. It says that we can say to our mountain that stands in our way, be removed now and cast in the sea. If we will just believe in the things that we say, we will have those things. Jesus says to you, Jesus says over you into your tomb, roll the stone away. Verse 39, Martha chimes back in. But Martha, here we come. The dead man's sister protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. He's stinky. What's she saying? It's impossible, Jesus. What you're saying is impossible. You can't do it. It's been too long. Sorrow, shame, guilt, unforgiveness, bitterness, sin, depression, defeated, failure, death, destruction. It's too much. Yeah, I've seen you do this through other people. I've seen you heal people from cancer. But mine's too much. I just am not going to believe for it. I'm just going to stay in my grave. It's just my lot in life. Jesus remembered everybody but me. But Jesus... He's been in there too long. Yeah, I can believe for certain things, but not for this. He smells. That's you. Dead. Starting to stink. Any of you here start, or have y'all started to stink spiritually? <laughs> Think about your thoughts. Think about your heart. Think about where you are. I'm not trying to be mean trying to wake you up because there's a, there's a glorious day for you. Dead, decomposing, and stinky. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling you. John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you'd believe? 
So they rolled the stone aside and Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Next scripture. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I want to ask you about you. Are you wearing grave clothes? Are you wrapped in sin? Are you wrapped in shame? Are you wrapped in discouragement? Are you wrapped in depression? Are you wrapped in darkness? Are you wrapped in self-loathing thoughts? Do you have these clothings on that have you tied up? What does Jesus say? Come out and unwrap him. Jesus says to you, come out and let's get you unwrapped. Come out. Unwrap him and let him go. Jesus overcame the grave. The grave for three days. He went and it says that he took the keys to hell and the grave. He broke the power of sin. He spilled his blood for our cleansing once and for all. Took an incredible whipping on his back for our healing. Hung on the cross for our shame. He literally hung. He was being held by nails and hung his weight hanging on that cross for your shame, for you, for your life. But I want you to catch the most significant part. Lazarus. He called him by name. Pastor Justin. That's the thing that, that stuck out to me, because a lot of the times uh, when we said, have you ever been around churchy people? And have you ever been talking to someone that was super religious, you know, from the outside they felt, they looked like they had everything put together, and you just can't relate? Like, my life's falling apart, and well, I'll pray for you. Mm, thanks. That doesn't help. We think that God does things for other people. If you dress your sin up nice enough, or if you don't sin at all, if you never have bad thoughts, if you never have bad days, if your life never falls apart, Jesus can do really cool things for them, but not for me. And the important thing about the gospel, the important thing about Easter, the important thing about all of this story is that Jesus didn't do this for some generic, religious, happy, well-put-together person. He called Lazarus by name. Why did he know his name? Because he knew him. He knew him enough that even though that Jesus knew what the final state of this situation was, he was still moved to tears. He knew his friend. He loved his friend. We have stories of, uh, of them sitting around a table. Say, hey, one time there was this poor guy named Lazarus. And Lazarus was probably sitting at the table. Everybody's giving you know, Lazarus a bad time. He's like, then one day Lazarus died. Making jokes with his buddy about Lazarus' death. He knew him well enough to call him by name. And in our faith, 
today, if you don't believe that Jesus knows you well enough for the gospel to apply to you, it goes over your head and we never get to experience the gospel. If you don't believe that Jesus loves you, we miss the whole point of it. So I would love, not today because we don't want to embarrass anybody, but when you're in your car, when you're driving home, after bubblegum loses its flavor, under your breath, Justin, come forth. Take that shame and that stinky stuff off of Justin. When I feel that I'm, I'm bound up in addiction, depressed attitudes, when I'm struggling with anger, loss, rejection, loneliness, Jesus loves me enough to look me square in the eyes. Justin, come forth. When we personalize the love of the Savior, our entire life changes. Because you are worth Jesus looking you square in the eyes. John, Frank, Judy, Bertha, Gertrude, come forth. You don't have to live that old, junky life anymore. All of us are barely struggling to keep things together sometimes. You don't have to act like a dead person anymore. You can be honest with what you're going through. You can be honest with how much you smell sometimes. I want to give you uh, uh, carte blanche, a blank chain, or blank check permission to be honest with how stinky faith gets sometimes. Because it's not until we get that stuff off, come out of the grave, that our family gets to surround us and pull those nasty grave clothes off. But if we, as long as we stay in the tomb thinking, well, he's probably talking to some other Lazarus, or he's probably talking to some other John, or he's probably talking to some other Paul, our family doesn't get to surround us and welcome us. Well, I'm not going to go out there because I smell bad. No, your name's getting called. Birthday celebration is for you. Show up to the party. Show up to the party. Pastor? There's only one way out of the grave. Only one. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 10, verse 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. 1 Corinthians 15.55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin to its power. Sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you stuck are you literally stuck? Lazarus had no hope of life. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Would y'all do me a favor? Would you just say your name? Just everybody say it. One, two, three. Come out.
Jesus is calling you out of darkness into light. Jesus is calling you out of darkness. Now, I want you to know you can stay in there covered in your grave clothes. The whole gospel, sometimes it's hard to grasp that He'll just let us stay, but He has given us a free will. He is not controlling at all. He's not trying to strong arm you. He's trying to love you back into the light. Come out. It's time to make a decision. Life or death, blessings or curses, it's your choice. Would y'all stand up with me? We're just